All right, welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's a podcast that's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and my longtime friend from work, Robbie Earl. Today is an episode where we are finally wrapping up one of the most epic summers in our podcast history, and man, what a summer it's been. Today, talking about the Secret Invasion finale, though, Robbie, eh, Eh. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's like it's so early in the morning. My voice is shot from screaming yesterday. Uh, but I need way more time to process. But <laughs> I don't know. That was kind of just meh for me. Yeah. I'm, strugg- I'm struggling this morning. I'm really struggling this morning, to be honest. Wow. Talk to me. Talk to me, uh, please. You know, I, I – I see, this is an interesting one because I see where you're coming from and I, I could see even specific, and there are specific things that I want to talk about, some concerns that, that I had, but by and large, you know, like, I don't know. It's, this is hard for me because I, I actually feel like I've been a little bit, uh, more friendly to some of these finales than other folks have been. Now, that's not always mm-hmm. the case. There are some, I think I took more issue initially with the Hawkeye finale than some of our listeners. Uh, but, you know, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I thought that the finale was one of the stronger episodes there. And I think a lot of other folks didn't. And so I'm not sure that I'm the correct gauge for this. But I don't know. I, I had a good time. Like there were some moments that, again, we'll talk about, but. The stuff that I was wanting to see not happen didn't happen, if that, if that makes sense. Like some of my greatest fears, I thought, were not fully realized at least. And so, like for instance, did I think that Gravik's death, like some of the other deaths in the show, lacked uh, some weight? Yes, I did. I thought that that happened in a way that like, for as much as I, I I thought it was really cool the way he looked coming out of the, the machine initially, and I was like, oh, this is a super scroll, and this looks kind of dope, and I'm into it. I felt like the way he died, especially, by the way, knowing that he has, like, the extremist healing power was just a little, like, that was meh for me. But, like, on paper, what happened... You know, I don't know that I want him to just hang around forever. I think it's an interesting thing for Gaia to have those powers now and actually be the Super Scroll. Like, that feels kind of like a a nice bait-and-switch. Like, Iron Man 3-esque almost, where it's like, this is what you think we're getting, and actually the MCU is going to swerve. So it's like... Okay, that, I, and, and that's kind of the whole episode in a microcosm for, for me, is why I use that example. Like, yes, it could have been a little bit stronger... But, you know, when I stand back, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with I'm pretty happy with where that went and with what that could lead to moving forward. OK, first of all, I absolutely love this. I totally anticipated you being pretty down in the dumps about this like I am. And, dude, this is great. I would love to have an episode <laughs> where I'm on one side, you're on the other. We're so often on the same page. It's true. Um, so I love that for real. And I hope that you can make me feel better. Secondly, it's just raw emotion right now because it's literally pre 9 a.m. And I just sure. watched it. 
Thirdly, I really did not dislike it or hate it. Don't don't take my meh as a dislike. It's more just that sure. I was like in a crazy summer where I've been in love with so many things, I'm nervous that this will just be a ultimately forgettable project for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so here's my premise I want to start with, and I'll talk about some of the things I loved as well, okay? But overall, I feel like the short runtime really hurt it. Pete said this to us last week on the text thread. He said that overall, in context of Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible and the Marvels that's coming up and all of this mm-hmm. stuff, this project just felt small. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, a little bit, but that's okay with for what it is and whatnot. But I think that's what I'm feeling right now is like, I wonder if they had entitled the show Nick Fury and it was more just mm. like setting an expectation that you're going to learn about his background if I would have liked this even more. But mm. I just am nervous that with how short the last three episodes were, under 40 minutes each, that we just didn't get enough time to lead up to the epic nature of a quote-unquote secret invasion. And I can do individual points to prove why I think that felt sure. rushed. But overall, I'm feeling like I wonder if this had been leading up to a secret invasion movie or if it was like mm. 10 parts or something, if that's all I'm missing. Yeah, well, so here's where I'm kind of torn because, you know, I was talking about going back through and rereading the Secret Invasion comic. And I, I think I I agree with you in in one way, com- even just from the comics perspective and, and maybe disagree in another way. And and so the way that I agree with you, I still, you know, I've always said, I think that the real strength of Secret Invasion, the comic, is not in the actual event. It's in the lead up to that and then what the event reveals about the lead up to that. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. All the stuff that's been going on that didn't make sense in, in, in these totally kind of seemingly separate stories is now coming together. And that's something that I think Bendis did really, really well and really subtly over a long period of time without people even knowing it was coming. And that is something well, that I think that's we really, it's something we really didn't get the chance to have in the MCU in part because we, you know, more and more, I, I, I find myself thinking that, that Disney maybe overdid it a tad with that massive like 2019 Comic-Con announcement, you know, where it was just then and then uh, for kind of the year after that and then the year after COVID, it was like so many, not not even, I'm not even talking about the pace of the projects because we've talked about that to death. I mean like the number of things that were announced and how far out they were announced. And at the time it was so crazy and we were so hyped but I, I, I feel like it's just left everybody in this spot of, okay, well, how is this going to lead to this and then connect to this and then connect to this? And since they're all, we are getting more, comp, more projects that we can associate with particular comic stories, I think that we lose a little bit of that, you know, where are we going from here-ness that I think 
helped propel us at in certain moments. I don't think that's like a huge issue, but I think yeah, it's, but I'm not it's something even that comes up that here. I'm, I'm not even saying that I'm super disappointed this wasn't leading to something bigger, I guess. I Well, maybe I am, but it's more that it just felt small in the end. Well, and, and so that's where that's where I'll say, like, to, to me, what I what I wish we had had, uh, I, I wish that there were more moments that, you know, subverted scenes or storylines from phase four. Like, I, I, I didn't want them to go back and change anything you know, substantially, or at least make anyone a scroll that we saw throughout the Infinity Saga. But moving forward, you know, I would have liked to have had, like, for instance, one of the things that really was kind of a disappointment to me, and I've said this for years now, I thought that Sharon Carter would have been a really excellent candidate for a scroll. Now, I don't want to speak too soon because, and this maybe transitions into where I would disagree slash where I'm kind of up on the episode. It seems to me like they've left open the possibility for more scroll reveals and for extending this into a longer thing, which is what we were asking for. Like, I appreciate I the like fact that. that we didn't get some, you know, it's not like it, there are a lot of things that I'm kind of excited about just in, in terms of what they will offer for us structurally like one, I like that the scrolls are not dealt with in any conclusive fashion, which means they're not now at peace with Earth and everything's great. And they're also not all wiped off and they're also not all leaving the planet. Like they're, a lot of them are still there. A lot of them have now been, you know, killed by humans. And there's a, a conflict, which leads to the second thing that I kind of like. Back when we reviewed the first episode, we talked about how you know, is this going to be a really interesting opportunity to build towards some of these themes we've seen in, from that Bendis era of comics where it's kind of the world turning on the super alien community in general. And I think that that's exactly where we left this. I mean, he, he basically, I, I think it was intentional that he didn't just declare war on scrolls. The president declared war on any off-world being, which, you know, that now moves us into like the Guardians, right? Like in, in Thor. And so when we've talked about and Asgard, you know, like, does that affect Asgard? Because they're all well, like, they're on Earth now. I think they're good to go. Yeah, but <laughs> I think no, I don't know, though. I mean, yes, but I'm just saying I think it's fomenting some dissension because the I think that the phrasing was like <laughs> that's that's any, from the office. That's from the office. It's the last time I've heard that fomenting what? dissension when <laughs> Dwight is boss and he says to Jim, "You have to promise me you will not be fomenting dissension." And Jim goes, "But what if I already promised the other guy would be fomenting dissension today?" <laughs> that's sorry. That's a deep cut. That's like a, a season eight. I, keep going. Keep going. I love that. Maybe it was like a maybe it was subliminal, but I. I do like the uh, – I'm not saying that this <laughs> – that we're immediately going to get some kind of like Order 66 moment with the Asgardians. I just mean that it's wow. a it's – an, <laughs> it's an opportunity to start that kind of 
like even some of the rhetoric, like the way that Fury's like, you know, that hateful ass speech you gave, like it's setting up like there is now going to be a real like, you know, fear and hatred kind of co-opt X-Men language. I'm all over the place with with the references in this particular conversation. But I let me jump in here. Let me jump in here. I really liked that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm glad they gave us that shot of the humans killing those scrolls out of just sheer anger. Because I think without that R.I.P. shooter. Yeah, it's a little too it's a little too um wrapped up. But yes, I like that there is fomenting dissension because of that. So I'm glad they gave us that shot. And I'm glad that Fury is a little bit um unsettled about that, including calling the president, leaving, etc. The things that the the issues that I had uh just don't they're not big enough to uh to hurt the series as a whole for me and you know again I started this a little bit more lukewarm and have gotten into it yeah yeah and and so I think that I like that it stayed kind of small you know like we had the the kind of superhero battle briefly between the two super scrolls and I think that I'm I'm sure there are folks that are taking issue with some of the CGI there. I thought that all things considered, that was, I it was like pretty a, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I think it was in in that way. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of the WandaVision finale. Okay, you know, hold on, hold like, on. S- small, small. Not in. I I don't want like a even bigger boss bat- battle that was you know a hundred scrolls versus. I'm not saying that. I mean like that the ramifications felt small. I'm fine. I'm actually probably one of the minority here that I didn't mind the boss battle. Like I think that's going to be a downside for a lot of people. I didn't mind uh-huh. it. I actually thought that seeing the different powers was kind of fun and kind of unique and cool. Um, yeah, like you said, it was it actually fun was pretty, seeing like. Yeah, it was visualized well. Drax. I thought. And I think CGI-wise, my first watch, only one watch, I think that was a little bit better than the WandaVision finale as far as the CG goes. Um, Yeah, I I think that's fair. The boss battle in of itself is not the thing for me. Just that – like I think the stakes with Rhodey being near the president felt a little artificial. Like clearly – he was the bad guy from the get-go, like that he was so aggressive. And I just I, I don't think I ever thought that they were gonna pull like an infinity war and Rhodey was gonna actually get the assassination off, or that the bomb would actually go off and kill New Scrollos, or that I don't I don't think I felt the threat that that could ever not happen. I, I don't think that I you know, I, I didn't think that they were going to nuke the world because uh, that would really <laughs> that would really put a damper on some future plans but I did think that there was a I, I thought it was clever to have announced Harrison Ford playing the president in a future project that's not that far from Good now point. and then have a different president here and that made me think that they really he could die in this series at any at any point uh, the twist was that he did it <laughs> yeah and and I you know I I still I don't know I'm I'm kind of the interesting thing about this whole series to me is you're right it was short I think it probably could have used a little longer both 
on a minutes per episode basis and the number of episodes in the season. But I, I also kind of, some of those gaps, I don't hate, like, I still don't really know much about this president. I don't know how important it's going to be. Maybe it's just, they didn't fully develop it. And, and, and the character is, is lacking some substance, but I feel like that's going to be something that I, I won't know until, until we kind of see what happens after this. But at this point, I kind of like that. Like, I like that there are some folks that I just don't know a ton about or where they're coming from. Cause I think that that works within the context of this series. Like we know a bit about Olivia Coleman's character in terms of her history with fury but we don't know exactly what she's envisioning in this partnership with Gaia. And mm -hmm. like, I, I think that's what I kind of like. I don't really know where any of this is going to go in, in terms of what's happening on earth. Like I like that we, that Fury I, technically came down and cleaned up the mess that he started in, in one way, you know, but now there's like, there are all these, there are repercussions, I think. Hey, I also like that I asked that Sonya and Gaia hang around, and it looks like they're going to. And, okay, so a, a quick question. Doesn't Vara say she can't go with Fury because she needs to do work on Earth? Yeah. But yeah, then what she work? doesn't go with Fury, right? No, she said, I can go and help you get started, but I can't stay very long. Oh, okay, I missed that. Thank you. I uh, I just heard... I heard that differently, but that makes sense. I thought but that what that, work though? I liked that scene like, a lot, by the way. I thought she was working with Gravik, and so I don't know what she's now trying to accomplish. Will she end up working with Sonya's team or Gaia's team? Also, the the scroll reveals of Gaia freeing all the people from their machines. What did you take from that as far as Ross and Rhodey, how long they've been in there? Because, like, Rhodey almost struggled to walk when he came out and was in, like, a hospital gown of sorts. Well, so are that we makes led sense to believe that walk. Okay, but is does that mean we've seen scroll Rhodey since Civil War? No way, right? No, 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 no. I just mean he doesn't have his leg apparatus on in there, so he can't Why walk is he in a he hospital gown? Yeah, that's fair. I see what you're saying. That would be crazy. I'm, I'm trying to think about how far back that goes now. And I do think that's one thing about the Bendis run that you tell me about that is just different is that, like, I don't think Kevin had a plan for Rhodey at Tony's funeral to be a scroll. But if the show is now telling me it goes that far back, that shows me that it wasn't the slow rollout that Bendis did. You know what I mean? Like, that's different than just saying, oh, and by the way, now yeah. he was one the whole time. But maybe they weren't saying that. Maybe I, it was post-Endgame. I think I feel like it has to be post-Endgame. Like, because, like, then that, that's not even just the funeral. I mean, that's like the, the scene with Rhodey and Tony when Tony dies, where it's like, I, I, don't, I don't think that anybody at Marvel, if, I mean, I, I, I guess I should say, if I were Marvel, I would not want to touch any moments from Infinity War and Endgame at this point at all. <laughs> because Yeah, me either. I, I, I think everyone understands that those were executed about as well as you could. 
So my sense has always been, you know, maybe it was like maybe the roadie we saw in Falcon Winter Soldier was a scroll. Like that makes sense because they did say she Gaia says you've been kidnapped for a long time. I think I'm, you know, I'm curious about Ross because like I'm, I'm trying to think back to what happened in Wakanda Forever and okay, how this doesn't weird make it sense would be exactly. for that to have been a scroll. Okay, this doesn't make sense exactly, but he is wearing a very similar shirt to the one that he's wearing when he's confronted and ultimately arrested by Val. Which, if there wasn't that sequence of him being broken out by the Wakandans, that would be a perfect transition into the future. That from that point on, he gets arrested, and then maybe somewhere in there, they get a scroll version of him. In which case, maybe Val is somehow working with this underground scroll thing, which would be perfect tie-in. But we get the shot of him getting broken out by Wakandans, so unless, unless... that was a scroll impersonating the entire Wakandan getup, which I don't know how they would do that at this point. That's what I can't well, reconcile. Or I feel like, I mean, it, it could have been, this would just, I'm wondering if we're ever going to get this answered straight up, but it could have been if we, if we operate under your theory that Val, if she is somehow working with the scrolls kind of, set him up to be like set him up to be freed by the Wakandans like knew they would come to get him but had that Hmm. be a scroll so that they broke him out thinking it was Ross but it was actually a scroll which then allowed her to have a scroll Ross out there that was operating you know uh, under whatever orders that could I mean that would be a very uh it sounds convoluted, but it also feels like <laughs> the kind of thing that I would appreciate from a character that we're supposed to think is some kind of mastermind and, and diabolical and like a big planner. So I, and that is very Bendis, like that kind of almost like a Nolan sort of a thing where it's like, and here's what actually happened. You know, like here's the rest of the scene that you didn't see when we first showed you this an hour ago. And that's the rest of the story. Two other questions about speculating future projects. Mm-hmm. When would be the next time that we would even see scrolls? Do we know what New World Order is about yet? Have or we heard? Bra- isn't it? It's Brave New World now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they changed it. Sorry. <laughs> but I also thought the last scene here in Secret Invasion, clearly a... Marvel's setup, right? With the Cree shout out? Yeah, yeah. I think that's I mean, because we we're getting uh accusers in the Marvels, and so I, yeah, I, I think that's that makes sense. I'm just I mean, it, I'm just kind of curious when they can follow up on some of this stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, based on the last uh trailer, especially, it seems like we are getting a decent amount of, of Nick Fury in the Marvels. I'm I'm curious, and we asked this before, and <laughs> maybe it's telling that we're still asking it now. But do you? I, I wonder if this if this movie will 
actually follow up on Secret Invasion, like if it will actually assume that people have seen that show or if it will just kind of hand wave. Because it's like, for instance, like I think, and we talked about this at the time, I think Multiverse of Madness, which was a massive movie, I I think it did a, a good job of, you know, recapping enough if people hadn't seen WandaVision. But I really think you need to have seen WandaVision to understand what's going on there. And I hope mm-hmm. that that's kind of what the Marvels does, you know, that they give like some little, like here's a line or two to kind of explain what happened. But I, I hope that Secret Invasion actually is kind of integral to what comes next just because I mean that's how Samuel See, Jackson has sold it he sort of set the expectation there I think that's the perfect example though in reflecting on those other projects just due to the nature of the story like WandaVision being on Disney Plus worked so well for me because the whole nature of the story was very isolated these consequences weren't wide ranging. Even Loki felt a little bit removed by putting him in the TVA. So the nature of the show is allowed to feel kind of small with the consequences feeling very isolated. I feel like Hawkeye, you never feel like the consequences aren't isolated, but with a story like secret invasion and there being a million scrolls. And I felt like we were leading towards something a little more wide ranging, a little more MCU impactful and that's where i wondered if like if it would just if it was called a nick fury show if i'd be like oh yeah that was perfect because i like all the backstory about nick fury and what i got to see him do and stuff but if uh i don't know i I, i've if this doesn't lead to a lot larger feeling consequences and events i wonder if just the nature of the story isn't great for a disney plus show but again i still liked a ton of stuff so yeah, I, yeah I think, I'm just I'm wrestling this morning. Give me some grace. No, 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 no. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I think it's what I like about the scope is, I mean, and, and maybe you're right. I mean, maybe maybe it should have been a, a more. I, it, it was very much Nick Fury focused in terms of the marketing, you know, every week on Disney Plus, you get yeah. a big banner of Nick Fury normally. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think the reason I'm okay with this as the Secret Invasion adaptation is, and you said this, and this is what I was going to say earlier, uh, I I still do think that the Secret Invasion event, there's a ton of superhero fighting probably like three out of the eight issues are this, there is the who's who and we're confused because we're fighting people that look like each other. But within an issue or two, you're really out of the kind of espionage side of this. And I, I think, you know, again, that was okay there because so much of that groundwork had been laid. But here, I kind of like that ultimately the entire thing is a secret invasion. Like it's not culminating with, and I know you you were saying you didn't want a bigger boss fight, but what I mean is like, it doesn't even culminate with some some like one massive thing that happens, like some huge bombing that changes the scope of everything. Like I like that where this leaves humanity is in this state of like, you can't trust anybody now. 
like especially if there are still scrolls out there and and you don't know how long certain folks have been scrolls like even we don't know that like to the extent that they've been trying to do the paranoid thriller thing i like that i'm coming away from this still kind of lost and anxious about who's who and what's going to happen and i feel like they're setting it up really well if we you know again we're always talking about moving into this kind of thunderbolts dark avengers era and i think it's interesting here to for the first time have nick fury come back and really be on the scene i mean for the first time since winter soldier in in a lot of ways where he's an active part of of national and international security talks I, I like that we have him finally come back and that the whole show is kind of about him having lost his step and how he's not really suited for this anymore. And then we we see that he is suited for it in terms of his capabilities. But the world now, at least, you know, the president, and I think in some ways probably Sonia, are going to reject him because they it's like a they've been calling him soft the whole time and he wasn't necessarily in the ways that they were saying he was like he is the one that came through and kind of saved the day but now we are at this spot where everyone's sort of hardened against any aliens and especially the scrolls and so like now fury who we've talked about even through the show being at times a bit of an anti-hero is now he's the only one that's showing some compassion and some empathy. And I thought that that was a really great, like the final scene with him and Vara that we got was a, a really good way to showcase the, the juxtaposition, I, I guess, of, of him and, and Sonia and the president and these other things that we're seeing mm -hmm. happen violently around the world. So it's like, I like that we're, our, our, the one person that we can trust the most to try to do the right thing here and to actually try to broker some some peaceful resolutions between the scrolls and humans and whoever else he's basically gone and been and been told to leave by the president and he's going to try to work on diplomacy within the 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 scroll cree context and i even like that moment when he tells vara you know she says you have your own way of doing things and he says i'm sick of that like it's like this, okay, Fury is finally embracing, like, the, in some ways, like, the Steve Rogers way. You know, it's like so much of, of like, Winter Soldier and even the first Avengers film was Fury being like, you're so naive, you don't understand, like, this is, this is how we have to do it. And now it's like we finally see, the, for the first time, really like an arc for Fury from the way we first met him from that point to where we are now, but also him leaving, we're now seeing like what is going to happen when other people are aware of the things that Fury has been aware of for so long that don't have the ability to keep a cool head and how it's actually going to be potentially much darker and much more violent. And I, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's, a, I think, a really strong tone to end a series like this on, uh, even if, like, there are certain moments that I, I think could have been handled better.
If you want to read more about that, you can check out our official comics provider, organicpricebooks.com, and use our promo code FRIENDSFROMWORK to save money off your order. You've heard us talk about them a lot throughout this series, but this is a perfect time to dive into organicpricebooks.com, find you some Secret Invasion stuff, and get comics at the lowest price while not supporting the big, big, big retailers. So check out organicpricebooks.com and use our promo code friends from work or click on the referral link in the show notes and you can get a comic like the one that Ravi is holding up. Look, right look at now. the store scroll. Don't you want this, this store scroll? This is I why do. people have no. got to, they've, they got to get turned on to this video stuff. There's all kinds of stuff happening <laughs> yeah, I, here. Oh, YouTube or the, Spotify right now. The only, the only books that you need at this moment uh, in, in the summer you need you need this guy, and you need this guy. These oh, are the you're summer reading reads. it now. These are the summer reads. Look at that shot. That is exactly the shot from from. I know, right? That's Isn't incredible. that crazy? Yeah. yeah. If you are, like uh, we're we're talking about the Oppenheimer biography that uh, the film was based on, and if you're curious about that. We just earlier this week released our Oppenheimer episode mm -hmm. over on Screensaber. This is one that we did not feel any level of meh about. So if you've seen that and you want to be a part of that conversation, check that out over on the Screensaber feed, wherever you get your podcast. As I am kind of wrapping this up, I have just a few things I want to touch on. A couple of small things I really liked from Secret Invasion and then a little bit of a summer finale wrap up because this is kind of the end of the summer that we built a lot toward. Um, yeah. First of all, I would say I do agree that I like Nick Fury's wife, Vara being more involved than I ever thought she would have been before we started the series. I would like to see more of her in the upcoming projects that he's in. So I like that they didn't just end it there, that actually she's going to come help him get started. That's pretty cool to me because I was like 95% mm -hmm. certain she was going to stay back and that was just going to be the end of it and we weren't going to get much follow-up. So I like that they actually stuck with that and made that a focal point. Secondly, mm -hmm. I really liked the performances and the emotion from the argument before the Super Scroll thing when you thought it was Fury and ended up being Gaia from Gravik, like his actual background yes. there and the way he acted that was very, very motivating. He's also in Barbie, which we both saw this week. Yes. It's just so funny to see the difference because when he's yelling like that, it's so scary and intimidating. And I saw a couple of memes where he's like smiling uh -huh. like this and it was like Barbie and then him doing the bomb as like Oppenheimer, <laughs> you know, from Secret Invasion. Right, um, right. But anyways, That's I a... thought overall Gravik was a fairly compelling villain. And I thought that uh, Adair, King Adair? King yeah. King Adair? Yeah. Help me with his name. Or, uh, no, no, he did Benadir. Kingsley Benadir. Yeah. Kingsley Benadir, sorry. Did a really good job with it. And that was a highlight part for me, him actually explaining that this person that he's embodying was the first person he killed. And as he killed people, it took pieces of his heart. So that was another little standout for me. I, I'm really glad you said that because I was thinking that uh, that entire scene, I was really locked in. And, and I thought Samuel L. Jackson's performance there was really great as well. Mm -hmm. That scene, I think, was one of the stronger ones that we've gotten in this series for sure. 
I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. It's one of the strengths of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the fact that Olivia Colman, Amelia Clark, Ben Mendelsohn, Kingsley Benadir, Samuel Jackson, they were all very good. That's five main characters. And I thought that when Don Cheadle and Martin Freeman had small roles, they were good. It's just this show in the acting department was better than normal, and the MCU in general is often better in these shows than other other uh, properties. Uh, lastly, small thing, whether you like the boss battle or not, I thought the way Gaia looked with the Captain Marvel powers was pretty dope, was really dope. Yeah. I thought she almost looked more Captain Marvel than, than Brie Larson has looked at Captain Marvel <laughs> at, at times. And the actual yeah. Captain Marvel laser beam being the thing to go through Gravik and kill him was cool looking had an interesting metaphor on the fact that this ultimately was ended by Carol Danvers's part, uh, powers and the fact mm-hmm. that Nick Fury has such a long-running history with her. So even if you didn't like the boss battle, I thought that in particular was pretty amazing. I question on that front. Uh, you know, I brought up the yep. extremists. Do you yep. think that he is for sure dead? I don't think he's for sure dead. I think that'd be a fun twist, actually. Normally, I'm the guy that's like, don't bring people back. But that would be a fun twist. And that actually leads me to my last question, which is, what in the world, as the power levels guy, are they going to do with Gaia's powers? I there, I think you could take a couple routes here. One, you could say that even though they have that DNA, they're not fully any one of those things. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a watered-down version of all those powers. Because I don't think they're going to run around with Gaia literally having <laughs> like the list that it was showing right. all those powers. Otherwise, how in the world do they nerf that? Like, what do you do with that? Yeah. Um, so there's got to be some answer there. But I'm curious what you think is going to happen. Like, yeah, is it his is his extremist good enough to come back from that? And or if he does, how in the world are they going to deal with those powers? Yeah, I. I wondered, I mean, we saw, well, I guess you and I talked about this. I guess the scene where the guy dies in Iron Man 3, it's it's with like a, a unibeam through the chest, which is kind of how Gravik gets taken out here. So maybe that is enough under Extremis. Possibly. But I, I like that it's kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's left somewhat open. Uh, it's interesting, by the way, and, and then I'll, because I do want to talk about what you said with uh, Gaia. It's interesting that we didn't have any post-credit scenes in this entire series, right? No, we didn't. I stayed this time to make sure, but also because I love Chris Bauer's yeah. theme so much, so I stayed, but. Wild, though. I, this is one that I thought would... I don't know. I, I I was really hoping for something here just because I, you know, what I was saying about it kind of leaving some interesting threads dangling. But um, anyway, I wonder why that was. But on does, the Gaia does, front. Well, does Gaia's powers set her up at all for the Abigail Brand thing? Or is that pretty much dead with the Super Scroll thing? I, it doesn't set her up in a way that's clear to me to be, to be Abigail brand. But I, I, you know, okay. I could, I still could see her 
functioning in that role and that making a lot of sense and that being a way to kind of follow in her father's footsteps because she would kind of be in a commanding leadership position but and, and, and fighting for the kind of things that he believed in. But with her powers, yeah, I don't... I was a little bit thrown off. There was a part of me that thought that she was going to end it by, you know, somehow reversing the process on both her and Gravik and, and taking the, the affirmative step to just not let anybody have all that power. Her sticking with it. Well, and that had to be intentional from, from Sonia and from Nick, right? Like that had to be, that had to have been part of the plan. Because they yeah, set up yeah, that true. she was going to go there. And I guarantee you, he was like, I'll give you the vial. You stay in there and get these powers. Right. My only thing there is Nick is really flirting with danger that she doesn't win that fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. then you just turned yeah. it over. And if she didn't win, who knows what? But I did like another I Avengers mean, shout out, by the way, from Gravik there. Wait, what was it? At the very end, he's like, what are you going to call your little Avengers friends? Like, what are you doing? Oh, this is right. the final stand of Nick Fury, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting that in some ways that is what happens. Uh, yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that when it comes down to it, the fact that she – like, we never saw her – necessarily utilize the powers in combination like like we saw like one arm be one thing and another arm be another like i think we saw like coal obsidian and maybe like abomination and then like a a frost giant and i I think ebony maw ebony maw that was dope with oh uh, right yeah 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 obviously i i I guess maybe you know captain marvel's supposed to be the most powerful Marvel hero at this point, I think. And I, I guess maybe, you know, she could just, she would be at least at the Captain Marvel level, but I guess I'm not, I don't think that she would be like Captain Marvel, but plus all these other powers. Like, I feel like what we saw is that she's going to at least have to like choose kind of which one to bring out and utilize (laughs) at any given time. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, it is, I thought about this as well. And I know that I'm not as much the power levels guy, but it's like, I don't, this is something that I don't love in general in comics. And and it happens a lot. Like they, you'll often have a team of heroes go up against some like alien or Android or something that has found a way to replicate all of their powers. So it's, it's one, one being that has all of the powers. And I think it's like, yeah. It gets real squishy because in the <laughs> opening issue of a comic like that, you're always going to have <laughs> you're always going to have a, a a moment of the the heroes not being able to win, right? Because how can we fight this person that has all of our powers? And then inevitably, you know, an issue or two after that, they realize that you know, they can use teamwork and actually force this person to, to confront more (laughs) targets than he can or whatever. Like, but it's always the same kind of arc. And I feel like this is just setting up for some, like, 
I feel like in the future, the thing, the, the call that I'll make right now uh, is I bet the next time we see Gaia, she is not going to present as a quite as super powered as she is here. Like, I feel like they're going to find a way to contextualize that and add in some like limitations. That's what I'm saying. That, like, I, it I takes think, it out of her somehow. Yeah. Or I think it's a watered down version because we also saw that Gravik, well, we think can die. I think including that shows you, okay, they're still vulnerable yeah. even with these powers. So it's not full Carol Danvers because we've never seen Carol Danvers take hits like that. So maybe it's like a watered down version, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's probably, that's probably right. So I think for me, this episode is probably like a missed opportunity plus, like a C plus. What about you? Uh, I think I would. I, I have a feeling that I'm going to be higher on this than a lot of folks, but I think I'm, I'm going to give this a solid let's go. Okay. Here's what I kind of want to do. We're going to take a really quick late ad break. If you are interested in 10 minutes of our thoughts on just kind of wrapping up the summer that was, we're going to do that really briefly after a quick word from these sponsors. So it's just been an absolutely insane summer for us uh, individually, for us as a podcast, for the movie world. Uh, we're going to talk about what that means culturally, but I think we're going to take a little bit of a break in August here on the Friends from Work main feed, allow people to catch up on some of these movies that we've posted on Screensaver and some of these screens, uh, Secret Invasion episodes that we have as well. But this is a really good time to look into Friends from Work Plus because Robbie and I are going to be shifting gears a little bit here and spending some time focusing on giving extra bonus content, starting with a comics episode next Monday um, to kind of get that going. But so while we take a little bit of a a break on the main feed, check out friends from work plus, and you may want to be uh, subscribed to hear some of the episodes we're working on over there as a little follow-up to last week. We talked about the box office and how disappointing it was and how everything had underperformed. This is a crazy follow-up. I never in my life thought that one week after talking about that, we'd be having this conversation. Have you seen some of the box office numbers from Barbie and Oppenheimer? I have. Um, basically without getting into the weeds of all the numbers, um, both films are doing incredibly well. So when people were nervous that the movies releasing on the same day would affect each other negatively, that does not appear to be the case. In fact, they somehow bottled this viral marketing campaign to convince people who normally wouldn't go to both films to go to both films. And right. it became, I think, don't quote me on this, the fourth largest box office weekend ever ever yeah that's wild. and that is absolutely crazy to me so both films are smashing projections and i just had to say that because we spent so much time last week talking about the disappointment that was apparently well that wasn't the case for this weekend it, it's interesting though because i i was thinking 
if Barbie was always going to be hard for me to gauge just because it's such a, the marketing for that has been so strong. And I think that they're like, I know folks that are taking their, their kids to see it as kind of like a fun kids movie, but then there are also people going to see it as kind of a, like a instant cult classic thing. And then just Greta Gerwig fans or Margot Robbie fans. I think I read that they spent $150 million on the marketing. So the film budget was I mean, like it, 150, but the actual marketing was 150. Wow. I mean, that makes sense. It's been marketed to death. Uh, but I mean, obviously it worked. But, and, and I think that I always had a sense that Barbie would do well. I don't think that I knew it would do this well. But I think Oppenheimer is one that I was really curious about because I could see a world where that movie critically, you know, is a slam dunk. And it just kind of, like, exists and then comes back for award season. But people just Mm -hmm. don't flock to the theater to see a three-hour historical drama. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was curious if it, if that, you know, wasn't going to be the case, then what that would say about the numbers we did talk about last week. And now, you know, I, I find myself thinking, for better or worse, the movies that we thought would be drivers to some degree that wound up underperforming are really all part of this next chapter in a franchise model. Right. Uh, we we don't want to start a long 30-minute discussion here, but you can't help but wonder if that is a small takeaway uh, and something that actually Bob Iger talked about and I blasted about two months ago. But you do wonder, with Indiana Jones not doing very well, Mission Impossible although a great movie, not doing as well in the box office. You can't help but look at the two movies that are totally unique original stories are the ones that got everyone to actually go to the theater. And The Flash didn't do well. Now, the only thing there is Guardians 3 did pretty well, which was also a sequel. Um, Yeah. So, but, but it's hard to not look at the success. I think, you know, there's also that viral thing that, is hard to quantify. Like as good as Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is, it never had this like viral moment of Barbenheimer for whatever reason. Right. Uh, So yeah, there are so many lessons to be learned there, but we'll we'll get into that a different time, but it is a wild thing. Did you like Barbie or not? Oh, I had a blast. Yeah. Uh, I I, I do think that we are going to have a screensaver episode on that dropping here pretty soon. And as you said, our Oppenheimer screensaver episodes available too. So look for both of those. I really liked it too. I didn't think it was perfect, but I liked it probably more than I thought I was going to. So I would say just off the top of my head for me, looking back at the whole summer that was, I'd probably go Across the Spider-Verse, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Barbie, Indiana Jones, Flash. That's probably just off the top of my head what I would do for myself. I think at which this is a crazy moment, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think at this moment I would say Oppenheimer, Across the Spider Verse, 
Barbie, uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, Barbie Guardians, Mission Impossible. Uh, then Indiana Jones and the Flash. I think that's all of them. And what's crazy, crazy is I actually like, I, I, and maybe we said this a bit last week, but like, I didn't dislike any of the movies that I just listed. Even the Flash, I had like a pretty good time at. You did, and you know that it's episode was pretty lips, positive from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I think uh, <laughs> the framing is kind of everything with this, and and so I think there's a world where we look back, and if the box office numbers had been different, we would have we would have talked about how it was just kind of banger after banger with some of these, and I think because that wasn't the case, we're now going to look back and ask what was wrong with them, but I think that I think that there was a lot of great stuff that was in theaters this summer. And, and I'm, so I am grateful for that, but I do think we'll have to have a longer conversation about the franchise, you know, is there franchise fatigue? And I'm not sure that that is, is quite what Bob Iger has articulated in terms of, of like a, a sequel problem, because I'm pretty sure that if, you know, I know plenty of people that, that would have preferred that never saw Eternals in theaters, right? And I think would have preferred that to be a, a sequel of a of a of an existing uh, characters franchise or something. I think it's more just there's something fresh and new about these projects this weekend, and there was just no like even even like Top Gun Maverick, you know, is sort of a follow up to a franchise, but it was just such a, a different thing that then people were so curious about and it gets its own buzz. So I don't know. I, I think that, uh, it'll be yeah. interesting to see kind of how this all plays out as we get to a project like the Marvels, which is going to be subject to a lot of different, uh, forces, yeah. you know, like yeah. we're going to have all of the original kind of, uh, yep. hate bros come out and, Although, you know, that hasn't really impacted Barbie. And I feel like, uh, from what I can tell, that camp is about as agitated by Barbie as they have been by anything else. So, Oh, and, and then some, I think. Yeah. And so I do, I mean, there's a, <laughs> I always appreciate uh, when those people are just left angrily yelling into a void and having no impact at all on anybody else's life. That always brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> so wow. if nothing else, that leaves me on a high note. Um, all right. So just to clarify everything here before we say goodbye for a little bit, one, um, Nothing is set in stone, so don't quote me on this, but we're going to be taking a little bit of time off in August. Be on the lookout on the main feed for an episode with that discussion, just a larger reflection of the summer that was, the cultural moment, et cetera. And I would say be on the lookout for a uh, a reflection on Secret Invasion and a ranking once we've had some time to sip through that. And then check out Friends from Work Plus if you want to get some comic stuff, some other discussions we're going to be diving into. Then once we get to September, we'll start the ramp up towards Loki season two, assuming it all stays on uh, schedule, which right now with the strikes and all this stuff like is constantly changing. So if we get any news there, we'll probably pop in on a main feed episode as well. But 
about that time is when we'll start the ramp up for that series, which I anticipate to be a big deal in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope everyone has an awesome rest of your summer. I've had a lot of fun talking about this stuff with you, Robbie. And like I said, there's a ton of episodes to catch up on. So if you're just now finding mm-hmm. this and you're just watching Secret Invasion or you haven't seen some of these movies. In fact, Robbie, just last Sunday, I did a poll on Twitter asking people, have they seen Barbie? Have they seen Oppenheimer? Both or neither? And neither won by 70%. So a lot of our wow. audience still hasn't gotten to all these films. And so once you get to Mission Impossible, to Barbie, to Oppenheimer, we'll have episodes for you and we'll give you some time to catch up on those. But while we are stepping away from the main feed for a little bit, we are on Discord. You can find that link on our website, theffwpodcast.com. We are on theffwpodcast.com via a contact form there. We have some merchandise there. You can check out our sponsors, Nerd Riot, Organic Price Books, Bird Dogs, etc. You can find links on our website and we're on social media at the FFW Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Follow us there as well. And we'll be back soon talking with you guys right here on Friends from Work.